Welcome to the teaching ministry of Nicholas Williams, where men are built through God's Word for the advancement of God's kingdom on earth. Get ready for a time of transformation. All right, so we're going to be talking about the good news. All right, it will interest you to know that the gospel is one thing that many Christians were saved by but do not understand. All right, it will shock you, and it's going to be to our amazement that so many people were saved by the gospel, they do not, but they do not understand it, right? And that's that's one of the greatest paradox. That's one of the greatest paradox. How can a Christian be saved by something he doesn't understand? How can that be? I'll let you know that it's possible. It's very possible. It's very, very possible. You know, sometimes this is because over time we would have seen we would have seen when the altar call for salvation is being made by a pastor or someone to come receive Jesus, and there is no explanation whatsoever about the gospel. Right? You just hear if you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, come outside. There was no teaching prior to that time about this Jesus that you want to receive. In fact, sometimes what you just hear is what this Jesus can give. All right? <laughs> this is what this Jesus can give. So there's no explanation about what this gospel is all about. There's no explanation about what this Jesus came to do for you. Okay? And unfortunately, this has made many folks not to understand the gospel. Many people don't even know that the gospel is a good news. They don't know. It will shock you. So many people don't know that the gospel is a good news. In fact, what some people received wasn't the good, wasn't the good news. <laughs> For starters, what some people received wasn't the good news. It's going to amaze you. As I said this now, some of you, you will start picturing how you received Jesus Christ in your life. And some of you say, ah, what I received wasn't the good news. <laughs> it wasn't a good news. <laughs> there was nothing good about it because I was condemned, like an obedient condemned. <laughs> right? But the gospel is the good news. It's a good news. So because so because some people received the gospel and it was condemnation, or it was something that made them sad. Alright? It was something that made them sad. But the gospel is the good news. Is a good news, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel should make you rejoice and be filled with hope, not make you feel guilty, not make you feel um, um, guilty over something that the Lord has already come to restore, over some, over you that the Lord has come to save. Right? So the gospel is not, is not, is not a thing that will make you feel guilty. It's not a thing that will make you feel sad. Glory to God. But unfortunately, some people, that's what they received. So right now, if that's what you receive, pay attention so well to understand what the gospel really is. So, because, funny enough, it's so amazing now that because of what some people receive, they go ahead to go and spread what they receive. Because, I mean, that's what they taught them. So they go ahead to go and spread what, what they received. Okay? And... It's not exactly correct. Yes, people are being saved, but some people start getting saved from the place of fear. 
And that's not that's the message of the gospel. The message of our Lord Jesus Christ is not that of fear, it's that of hope. So when you hear the gospel, you should be filled with hope. All right, you should be filled with hope. It's not somebody that makes you feel condemned. You know, I heard about a woman. I heard about an old woman one day who met um, a mentor of mine. And she said something that was so amazing. After my mentor finished ministering, so powerful, preached about the gospel. When he was done, the old woman, 80 years old woman, came to meet him. And she said, Pastor, you mean to tell me that for 80 years of my life, that I've been, I've been a believer. You mean to tell me that I was not really saved? You mean to tell me what I heard was not the gospel? And she was crying. Eighty years. I could just, when he said that, I could just imagine. So what did she hear? For the past 80 years of her life, what did she hear? What did she hear? All right. And, you know, it's so sad. That there are many people like that in church too, who have learned so many things. They've learned so many things. They've been taught so many things, except from the gospel that got them saved. Except from the gospel that got them saved. And you know, the gospel is being preached to the unbeliever to get them saved, but it is being taught the believer to help them grow and mature in the faith. That's why the gospel is important. So once you are saved at salvation, it is that same gospel that saved you that is going to spur you to grow. Do you get me? Someone once said to me, someone once said something. He said, the person that's, he, he, someone once said something, the person, the person, I, I quoted the person, the person said, the gospel is so simple, right? The person said, the gospel is so simple, a child can, can understand it, yet so profound that you will spend a lifetime to explore and experience its fullness. The gospel is so simple that a child, a little child can understand it, yet so profound that you will spend a lifetime exploring and experiencing its fullness. Think about that. The gospel is so simple to understand. It's not something hard. It's not all the dimensions you've heard. It's not a multidimensional thing. It's not some portal things that you have to get into a realm. You have to get into some portals. No. It's not a mystery. All right? But for you to understand it, you will spend a lifetime. It's, yes, it's simple to understand. But for you to really enjoy the fullness, for you to experience the fullness, it's gonna, you're going to spend a lifetime because you will continually need it to grow. You will continually need it to grow. And you know, like I said, the gospel that God you saved is what is going to cause you to mature. It's, got, it's what is going to cause you to mature. That's what helps the believer to grow. Because it's the major foundation for your salvation. Major foundation for your salvation. Hey. <laughs> it's a major foundation for your salvation. And it gives you a better perspective to every other thing in your Christian faith. The gospel is the epic center. is the crux of the believer's life. 
That's the believer's message. That's what we should preach. That's what we should teach. That's what what I'm teaching you now. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very important. All right. So this month, I've created this teaching such that you're going to be immensely blessed. But I would like you to really pay attention. Don't miss any session of this. Because if you miss one, you might find it hard to, to, to connect the dots with the part two. So we're going to be having like three to four parts, right? So you will understand the fullness be available, right? Be available. So put I put these teachings together. So please try as much as possible not to miss it, right? Try as much as possible not to miss the series, the good news. All right. So the gospel is the good news, like I said, which is the classical Greek word. Is the classical Greek noun for angelion. You want angelion, rather, sorry. Greek folks are going to look at me as if I, if I catch you. <laughs> it's a Greek noun for angelion, spelled E-U-A-N-G-L-I-O-N. For somebody who want to write that down. Angelion, the Greek noun, angelion. that's the gospel. And the meaning of evangelion means the reward of the good news or the good news itself. The reward of the good news or the good news itself. Oh, God help me. I'm going to try my possible best that we don't spend less than an hour for this teaching. Though there's a lot of safe, I'm going to try my best. All right. So anywhere you see the gospel in the Bible, it means the good news. It means the good news. So really, what is this good news? What is the good news? Why is it the good news? And who is the good news for? Do you get that? What is the good news? Why is it the good news? And who is the good news for? For us to really see and comprehend the gospel, really, we need to understand the roots. For us to understand the gospel, we need to understand the roots. We need to know the reason why we needed the gospel in the first place. We need to know why we needed the good news in the first place. Because for the gospel, which is the good news to have come, it means that there was a problem that needed to be solved. It also means that there was something that was bad that needed to be good. Do you understand? There was a problem that need to that needed to be solved, right? And there was a problem, there was something that was bad that needed to be good. So this is the reason why we will start from the beginning. We will start from the beginning. And you can title, like I said, you can title this The Roots, okay? The Good News, The Roots, all right? You can title it like that, The Good News, The, the Roots. So under this, I will be teaching about the problem, the problem, the prophecy, and the Christ. That's what I'm going to be teaching right now. The problem, the prophecies, and the Christ. So I'm starting with the problem. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. Right? Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. This actually describes the place that all men were. Or are. Because I won't assume that everybody is saved. <laughs> this actually describes that all, the place where all men were or are before the good news came. So Ephesians 2 1. He said, And you art e quickened who were dead in trespass and sins. 
wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature, and whereby nature the children of wrath, even as others. This explains the state that we were. This explains the state that we were before believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. This explains the state that we were before Jesus even came. We were in sin, and I, I'm not even going to assume that everybody knows this. <laughs> I'm not going to assume that everybody knows the gospel. I'm not going to assume that everybody believes in the gospel. So back then, we were separated from God, according to the scripture, Ephesians 2, 1. He said, we were separated from God. If you don't believe the gospel, it means you are separated from God. And the fact that you don't know you are separated doesn't stop you from being separated. <laughs> the fact that you don't know that you are separated doesn't mean, it doesn't stop you from being separated. All right. It doesn't stop you from being separated. Scripture says that you were once dead to sin. You were once dead in trespass and sins. The death here in that verse, in that verse 1, was explaining the state that you were before. And this death means spiritual death. First of all, there are two types of death. All right? There are two types of death. That's the spiritual death and the physical death. The spiritual death was a separation of God and man. When man sinned, you get when man sinned, that was the consequences of sin, right? The spiritual death, which was the separation of God from man, that was when man that uh, it came about when man sinned, right? And it it was the consequence of sin, whereby God had to leave man separated himself from man because of sin all right and that was the consequence all right so why physical death was a punishment of sin because there was this because there was a spiritual death already that is the separation between god and man which inevitably brought about physical death do, do you understand what i'm saying do you understand what i'm saying so there was a separation. That is the spiritual death. There was a separation between God and man. And that brought about physical death. You get, which is the punishment of sin. The spiritual death is actually the separation from God and man, which is the consequence of sin. Right? But that because God wasn't dwelling in man anymore, so there was no physical death, which was the punishment of sin. And we can find that. We can find that in, in Genesis 3, 17, you know, because when God separated himself from man, man was initially immortal. But when God actually separated himself from man, man lost that part of being immortal. So there, there was death. Okay, there was death. Everything began to die. Things began to die because there was this the, the major reason was because there was a separation there was a spiritual death there was a separation from god and man so things begin to die why because they were no longer immortal let's check genesis 3 17 i hope we can all hear me please can we all hear me let me know if you can hear me please 
If you can hear me, let's do it like this. If you can hear me, like the last message on the on the on the Telegram group. If you can hear me, like like the last message on the Telegram group, or love the last message rather. I'm not seeing anybody loving it though. Hey, the blood of Jesus. Am I talking to myself? Just love the message if you can hear me. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Ah, God will not allow us to see bad things. <laughs> okay, so back to what I was saying. So, um, Genesis 3.17. Genesis 3.17. Remember, I'm trying to explain the physical death and the spiritual death. I said that the spiritual death is actually the consequence of sin. Why physical death was actually the punishment of sin. So, Genesis 3.17. He said, and to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I, command you, I commanded you not to eat, the ground is caused because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch, um, to scratch a living from it. All right. So this, this, was, this was actually speaking about the punishment. All right. It was actually speaking about the punishment. This was the punishment because of what they did. All right, but spiritual death was the consequence because of what they did to the oh, Jesus. How do I put this? Okay. All right. So because of sin, when sin came into the world, when men sinned, that is Adam. All right, he caused uh, God punish them because God is God is just. And one of the ways that we, we, we term justice, right, is by how you judge a matter. All right? How you judge a matter. So they sinned. And when they sinned, obviously because God is holy. Therefore, there was a separation between God and man. Because God is obviously holy. And God cannot be old sin. All right? God cannot be old sin. Because God is holy. So there was a separation from man and God, which was the spiritual death that Ephesians 1 was talking about. Do you get? If we go to Genesis 3.18, we're going to see, he said, It will grow thorns and tissues for you, though you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made can you see the place of death here now until you return to the ground which you were made for you were made from dust and to dust you will return this was the punishment of sin this was the punishment of sin this was the punishment of sin this was where death was introduced physical death this was where it was introduced but it came because there was first a separation between god and man which was the spiritual death do you understand so you see the death there you see it there so like i said physical death is the separation of god and man this the separation for of god from man why physical death is actually when life goes out of someone Spiritual death is a separation of God from man. Why physical death is when life goes out of someone. So when there was physical death, things began to die. 
everything began to die. In fact, based on legitimate research, every religion has been able to agree on something that everything is falling, man is falling. Even to you now, they, are, they all agree on one thing that man is falling. All right, a man is trying to reach God. But glory to God, the gospel that we preach, our God came to meet us. We didn't have to go meet him. Right? We didn't have to go meet him. But all of this falling is because of sin. Because sin came into the world. Sin came into the world. So you need to understand the difference between the physical death and then the spiritual death. Do you get me? Do you get me? Right? Because many folks don't understand this and it causes so many chaos. All right? It causes so many chaos. I also want you to understand something. I want you to get something. So in the book of Genesis, when God was speaking here, when God was speaking there, he wasn't just, you know, when you see Adam, that Adam sinned. He wasn't, he wasn't just talking about Adam, like the man. You know, because I hear people say things like, how come it's Adam that God had to call out while, um, while it was Eve that gave him whatever they said she gave him? How come it was Adam, right? People ask questions like that, and then they wonder, how come it was Adam? Why wasn't, that, why wasn't Eve that he spoke to? And, you know, so people give different various questions that are not scriptural about that. And... What they fail to understand is actually that Adam has a meaning. <laughs> All right. Adam has a meaning. The Hebrew word for Adam means mankind. It means mankind. So when you see Adam, because you're going to, when we go, when we, as we are going, you're going to see how that even in the New Testament, Jesus Christ was called the first, he was called the second Adam. All right. So when you see that, it's to tell you mankind. It simply means mankind. That's the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word Adam means mankind, right? So when scripture says, when Adam sinned, it means mankind sinned. Do you get? So if you go to Romans 3.23, where scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Another version says that when Adam sinned, Right, what he was just trying to say is mankind sinned because when Adam sinned, mankind sinned, and that was because we were in Adam. <laughs> Adam was mankind, we were in Adam, and because we were in Adam, mankind was equivalent to mankind sinning. So, you didn't even need to do sin before you were a sinner. <laughs> do you get it? Do you get it? And Paul was speaking in Romans 6.23. He said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just in case someone is asking, what is the wages of sin? It means the consequence of sin. All right. And, you know, we discussed that already, which means spiritual separation from God and physical death. All right. Just as I explained earlier. I already explained that. So Romans 6, 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if all have sinned and the wages of sin is death, it means we all were heading to death. Do you get me? It means that all the whole of mankind was heading to death. 
Do you get? But the gift of God is eternal life. Glory to Jesus. That means death could not be taken away. Right? Death could not be taken away if not of the gift of eternal life. Do you get me? The way that death could be taken away was true eternal life, true a gift which was called eternal life. And that was going to happen through the person of Christ Jesus. All right, let's open Romans 5.14. He said, Romans 5.14. Give you some time to, to check on that. I hope you are breaking your Bibles and you are not distracted. Romans 5.14. He said, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? Do you get when I said that Jesus was also called Adam? And this was just making you see a picture that Adam was actually mankind. All right. Adam was actually mankind. All right. So some people keep wondering. You know, like I said, uh, why was he Adam that was mentioned a lot of time? You know, I already explained that to you. So death reigned as a result of sin. That was the reason why death came into the world. Because of sin. And because of that, man had no assurance of his place with God. Do you understand? Because there was already a separation between God and man. Man had no assurance of his place with God. He became a slave to sin. And man was being led unto wrath. He was being led unto wrath, just like the scripture says. And someone might be wondering, Ralph, how? How wrath? Because God is just. Ralph, because God is just. And because God is just, there, were, there had to be a punishment for sin. Because God is actually a just God, there had to be a punishment of sin. For God to be a good God, there has to be a punishment for sin. Do you get? We attribute goodness through justice. Right? If there is sin, there had to be a punishment for it. If not, everybody was going to continue to, everybody's going to continue to sin. So imagine you are in a land and there's no regulation. Everybody's actually going to continue to break the law. Or if there was no law at all, everybody would kill themselves anyhow. But now that you know that if you kill somebody, you are also going to go to jail. You are going to be killed. You won't do that. You are going to be punished by the law. So because God is just, there was actually a punishment for sin. Do you understand? You know, there's a popular question that some folks ask. And probably this is an answer to somebody too. How about a newborn baby? What's their place in this? Well, we have to trust the integrity of the just judge to pass the right judgment upon the baby. All right? If 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 there's a baby who has not seen it, a newborn baby who has not seen, but yet has the potential to when they can, we have to trust the judge God to actually pass the right judgment. Do you get me? So we can see through scriptures when sin entered the world and how things began to become more bad. Let's see Genesis 6.5. Let's see Genesis 6.5. 
um, we're going to see the time of Noah in Noah's time, right? Remember, we're talking about sin now. You remember I said that we are treating the problem. What was the problem? Okay. Genesis 6, 5. I hope you're opening your Bible. He said, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And ah, God, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Just imagine this. For God to realize, for God to realize this by himself about his own creation. Sin was so much. Sin was so much. It was already causing so much damage on the earth. Right? Scripture says, and God saw the weakness of, wickedness of man, and it said it was so great. Imagine, oh God, so it's, it was so great. It was so bad to the extent that they had to be wiped off. <laughs> they had to, they had to, the world had to be wiped off in in, in one time. Also, let's look at Abraham's day. Genesis 18, 20. He said, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. Just imagine that. Their sin was very grievous. It was so grievous. <laughs> it was so grievous that angels came to visit lots. And they were offering angels their daughters. <laughs> Lot, Lot was trying to offer angels his daughters. That come, unafi, you can them. It was that loud. It was so bad that they didn't even know who to do sin to. <laughs> they didn't even know. They didn't even know who, 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 and who not to show that part to. Imagine. He was ready to give his two daughters to angels that see, take Mona, self collect, Mona, go run on that team, go on, go on, you get. <laughs> so, see was in the world. And we see the same mechanism in man every now and then, even till now. We see the same mechanism in man. Have you ever been in a position where you are, you are so tired of something that you have said? You have said, oh, I'm so tired of doing this scene. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And you still do it anyway. That's just because, and this is just to pass a message to you, that is the mechanism of man. The natural man loves to sin. The natural man is always led to sin. The flesh always wants to sin. Do you get because that was how we began. That was sin from the beginning. And because one man sinned, every single man had, the, uh, had that mechanism to sin. You know, and people try to find a solution. You know, they try to find a solution for sin and for, for the problems that are happening in Nigeria. You know, I just believe that sin is actually the problem. Sin... Is actually the problem. And the greatest solution to all of this is the salvation of men. That's the great. I'm telling you the truth. The salvation of man is the greatest solution. Because we've tried praying a lot of times, but we see that it's not working. The real solution is actually the salvation of men. If more men get saved, 
all of these things are going to stop. All right. All of these things are going to stop. So seeing damaging things. It was so bad in Noah's time. It was so bad that <laughs> it was so bad in Noah's time that God didn't see any other person. Imagine in the old world, aside from Noah and his family, God didn't see any other person who was righteous. And when we say righteous, righteous means you believed in God. God didn't see another person who believed in him. How do I know this? You know, Abraham, um, um, scripture says that, and Abraham believed in God and it was, it was counted to him as righteousness. All right. So Abraham did not need to do righteousness be before it was accounted to him as righteousness. Same way as you don't need to do righteousness because you are, but we're coming back to that. Abraham did not need to do righteousness before he was actually counted righteous. All he just needed to do was to believe. And that was the only condition. Imagine, that was the only requirement for people to just believe in God in Noah's day. Just to believe in God. But imagine in the whole world, God did not see anybody aside from Noah and his family. Also in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, God could not find 50 people, not even 10 righteous people. In fact, there was a stage that Abraham and God wanted to start bargaining. Okay, you know, how about if you get 40? God said, if I see 40, I'm not going to count them. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to wipe them off. Okay, he said, how about if you see 30? How about if you see 20? Till we go back to 10, God did not see 10 righteous people. When I say righteous, 10 people who believed in me. Do you get? So see that covered the world. But God had an agenda. God had an agenda. He had a plan all the way. Ephesians 1.3. Ephesians 1.3. He said, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Remember, I said God had an agenda. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love, having predestined us. Unto the adoption of, of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Hallelujah. This is just to let you know that God had a plan on the way. Because for him to have chosen us in, uh, in him before the foundation of the world, it means there was a plan. He had premeditated on the plans at all time. He had premeditated on the plans at all time. God had you in mind from time. He didn't just start thinking about you when you when when you came to it. No, he had you in mind in mind from time. So back then in the ancient days, sin had enveloped the world. It was it, it was so bad. So they had a temporary solution. They had a temporary solution then, which was covering their sins. They gave sacrifices. These sacrifices was a prototype of what was coming, what was to come. All right. It was, a, it was a prototype of what was to come, but it wasn't it. And it wasn't just doing justice. It wasn't doing justice to the matter. 
It wasn't getting the job done. It even made them feel guilty more. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 4.10. Oh, time is fast spent. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what I was avoiding. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 10. 1, 2, 12. But I, I hope that you're truly getting me. I would like to know when we're done. If you get the, if you're getting the message, just pay attention closely. I promise you, you're going to get it. Just follow me. Hebrews 10, 1 to 12. He said the old system under the law of Moses was one was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifice under the system were repeated again and again, year after year. You remember I said. The solution to them then was to give sacrifices. And they did it every year, just like scripture says. He said they were never able to provide perfect cleansings for those who came to worship. Instead, it made them to feel more guilty. So look, you can you can go ahead into read, reading that by yourself. That is fast spent. Hebrews 10, 1 to 12. You can just write that down and then read it. So something was wrong with the old pattern. The sacrifice they started carrying out since the time of Moses, it gave them guilt. And it didn't get the work done. I said we should open to Hebrews 8, 7. He said, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. Remember, I said there was a problem. There was a problem with the former way they were doing, with what they were doing. Right, they they had to take, they had to give sacrifices over and over again under the former system repeatedly, again and again, year after year. They had to do it over and over again, but it wasn't getting the job. It, it wasn't getting the job done, just like what Hebrews eight seven said. He said, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. The first covenant that was the law of Moses. The second covenant, that was Jesus Christ coming. Do you understand? So there was a fault with it. Even with all the sacrifice they gave, he made them feel guilty more. He made them feel guilty more. All right? He made them feel guilty more. And if you read, if you read to verse 12, you're going to see how God, what God promised to do, which was the prophecy. He will said, he said, I will make a new covenant. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah, and it will not be like the old covenant. It will not be like the former. So there was an old one, but the old one was not doing justice. A new one was needed. You know, Hebrews 8, 12 says, he said, God said, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date. That's what NLT said. He said, it is now out of date and will soon disappear. So God talked about how a time is coming. He would forgive the wickedness of men as, and remember them no more no more so he god was he directly telling us the time is coming that we have amnesia when it comes to your sin he won't remember any of it anymore in fact god 
he, he, he said he won't remember any of it anymore. In fact, he's going to be more conscious of your future more than you remember your past. Because God keeps record of no sin. Since Jesus came, he, 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 every record of sin was taken away. So see verse 13, Apostle Paul wrote, Best believe, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. That means the sacrifice that they made, right, which was the old covenant, was obsolete. It was not solid. It wasn't getting the sin work done. Remember I said sin was the problem. So the sacrifices wasn't getting the job done. But glory to God, there was a solution. There was a solution coming. There was a solution coming. And that's going to make us go into the second part, which is the Christ and the prophecies. But because time is fast spent, I just had it in mind that this gospel teaching is going to enter like part one to part six. <laughs> Honestly, I had it at one side at the back of my mind that it's going to go from part one to part six. But time has gone now. Remember, we are still treating the problem. All right. We are still treating the problem. And I want us to stop here because of time. This is nine o'clock already. I want us to stop here because of time. So the next time, that is next week, Wednesday, where we are going to be coming back, we are going to be talking about the prophecies. We are going to be talking about the Christ. That means I'm going to teach you about the Christ, who the Christ is, and then the prophecies. That You remember, we are, we are taking it progressively. We are leading to the solution. Some of you are already getting it already. If you didn't get it, please do well. Go to the message again. Try to listen to it. I promise you, you're going to get it. Just follow me a step at a time. You're going to get the full picture, right? So next week, Wednesday, try not to miss it because this is just our big gist. You want to hear the full gist, okay? Right? So next week, we're going to be talking about the Christ and the prophecies. Remember, we are leading to the solution, right? So we're going to understand and be properly equipped. So next week, I'm going to see you again. I trust that this particular, this this particular part actually blessed you. I hope you were blessed, right? Having to see the problem, the sin problem, because sin was the problem all the way, right? Sin was the problem all the way, okay? Sin was so bad. The whole world was crying for help. God saw, God looked on the earth and he saw sin. And he could be, it was so grievous. But he had an agenda to still save mankind. All right? He had an agenda to still save mankind. And we're going to know better about it um, in the part two next week. Okay? So do well to be here. Invite somebody. Try to listen to the message. Because of the break, the network break that was happening, the glitch. Um, this message, I'm going to... We're going to work on it. It's going to be edited and then sent tomorrow to our page. The link to our podcast page is going to be sent here so you can actually listen to it. It's going to be well edited so you don't have to worry about that. So you can follow through, okay? You can follow through. And when you follow through, you'll be able to catch up easily 
um, from where we are going to be starting next week, Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining. We trust you were edified by the word of God through our man of God. You can get all messages of Nicholas Williams on Telegram at Nicholas Williams Ministries. God has blessed you.